The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set home him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a good neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> A Sunday school teacher was telling her uh, class a parable about the Good Samaritan that you just heard read. And she told them how the man was beaten, robbed, and left for dead with graphic detail because she was hoping that the students would feel the full impact of this She then asked one of them, if you saw someone lying beside the road beaten and bleeding, what would you do? Silence. The little girl broke that silence and stood up and said, well, I think I'd throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the sad reality is, my friends, many adults don't often respond so well to those kind of situations either. Recently in Oklahoma City, a woman gave birth unexpectedly on a city sidewalk as bystanders turned their faces and ignored her, and a cab driver simply sat there and watched. In Dayton, Ohio, the spring, a dozen people witnessed a woman drive her car into the Miami River and then watched indifferently as she climbed up on the top of her car, screaming that she couldn't swim. She drowned. So many instances like take place like that in our world daily, every day, 
The newspapers and media reporting sources have a special file for them. They're called the apathy file recipients. The sad truth is there are many of those today. I don't think, Patrick, you may have to adjust that thing. I don't know if it's going to go to the next slide. The truth is, those kind of events happen every day in our world. An occasion such as that is described in this gospel today after a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. So we pick that up today in this parable that we all know so well at the first verse. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live or you will be saved. You will have eternal life. Well, the keeper of the law should have stopped right there, but he didn't. Luke reveals to us in verse 28, he said, But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? It would have been pretty wise for him not to start that conversation right there. Because it's a very interesting and yet very revealing verse that Jesus jumped on and then told one of the greatest well-known parables ever told. In fact, it's so famous that most people, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, do know about the Good Samaritan, don't they? We use that term often. And of course, just as a reminder, we need to remember what a parable is. It's simply a, a story that's told to reveal a moral or a spiritual truth. So Jesus, once he answered, answered this guy, and the guy said that, you know, desiring to adjust himself by himself, he asked who the neighbor was. Jesus launched in at verse 30 on this story that we all know so well. He replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place where he saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Story we all know, right? We've heard it countless times, right? It comes up every third year. And it's too important in discipleship learning to not visit this every third year when Luke brings it up. And he's the only one that does. In fact, this story and the prodigal son story that we all know so well are only in Luke's gospel, and we'll hear one of his only stories next week. And they do all work together in a good lesson for teaching discipleship. This good Samaritan that we learn about today is showing something that we all need to be modeling ourselves, and that is compassion, because as we know, one of Jesus' greatest attributes that is mentioned in the Scriptures over and over is his compassion. After telling the parable, Jesus then asked this expert of rabbinic law. And that's, when I say he's a lawyer, he's an expert of rabbinic law. That's what this guy's life was. Jesus asked him, which of these three persons in the story do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Well, friends, there are three very common attitudes displayed in this well-known Good Samaritan parable. Three basic attitudes 
present in every single human heart. First in this story today, we encounter this lawyer, a rabbinic expert, who asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Well, his attitude, straight out of the gate, is basically, what's in this for me? He's got an agenda. He wants to know how to get into heaven. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Notice he was not asking what I should do to make the world a better place, what I should do to be a better, more loving neighbor. All he wants to know is how to get into heaven. The text suggests that the lawyer is asking this to Jesus, and that was a bad move because Jesus gave him an answer that he wasn't ready for. And I think there was more to the guy's question than that. I think this lawyer probably had a little different agenda as well. His question wasn't how to please God or how to live a righteous life. He just wants to know how to get the answers to the entrance exam to get through the pearly gates. That's what he's looking for. And you think about that for a moment. Now, this guy is a law expert in rabbinic law. But he also knows that Jesus has enough divine insight on how to get into heaven or he would never have asked him the question. And isn't that a question that we all want to know the answer to? We all want to know the answer just like the rich young ruler did that encountered Jesus, asking the same thing. It's perfectly natural for all of us to want to know how to get to heaven someday, friends. No healthy person, in fact, wants to die. But if that's the total of our faith, we're a very long ways from the abundant life that Jesus wants us to be living here today as disciples, as true followers. Sadly, the hope of heaven, sadly the hope of heaven, is the reason many people seek religion. Notice I said they seek religion. They should be seeking, what are we here to seek? A relationship. These men were seeking religion that encountered Jesus on, or counted this Samaritan and went on the other side of the road. We all want to go to heaven. In fact, probably 90% of all Christians come to faith asking, what's in it for me? That's about the facts. That's our nature. It's our human nature. It's the way we're wired as fallen human beings. And it's far from the heart of Jesus. And it's far from where we need to be. And that's why we need to be reminded of this. Notice after Jesus told the lawyer he was correct, do this and you will live, the passage says that this lawyer, desiring to justify himself, Desiring to justify himself. Now we could camp on, on that one right there for the rest of the day. Because we're all guilty. What a convicting st statement this is. Desiring to justify himself. This expert in the law knew exactly what the Jewish law required, my friends. He knew what we heard read from Deuteronomy just a minute ago. He knew that he had to love God and love his neighbor. He also knew that he had not lived up to the law. So what does he do? Exactly what we all tend to do when we fall short. We try to justify our actions or our inactions. It happens all the time. You see a homeless person at the, at the red light up here on North Tarrant, or we see somebody at a stop sign, and we feel guilty, and then immediately we start justifying ourselves. Well, he'll probably just spend this money I give him on drugs or alcohol. Ever thought that? That's your first thought. Because as human beings, our first thought is always wrong. That's the way we're wired. 
That's why we need to be reminded of this every third year. The fact of the matter is, we all try to justify our actions and inactions in this lifetime. Or how about the time uh, when you might have a friend or a neighbor who's had some sort of tragedy or something? And you know you should stop by and offer some encouragement, desiring to justify ourselves. Well, his family and friends will stop by and look in on us. Ever said it? Convicted, we all are. This lawyer is probably a nice guy. I can tell you this, he was very highly respected in their community at that time. He likely did pretty well for himself in life. But if we can't be what God wants us to be as followers of Jesus, and we go through our lives in a self-centered attitude like we're seeing displayed by this guy, and we think to ourselves, well, what's in it for me like this first guy did? then we are a long ways from where the Lord wants us to be. And we are way off the mark. And that's the first attitude that's displayed here. What's in it for me? The second attitude that we see displayed today is displayed by these religious professionals. The priest and the Levite's attitude was, well, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. That attitude has become an epidemic, an epidemic in this world around us today. How many times have you heard or said, it's not my problem? Army Major by the name of Ollie Butler was on his way to work at the Pentagon one morning when he came upon a serious accident scene on Interstate 395 in DC. A man had lost control of his truck and become pinned under it on the side of the interstate, and it was at the height of morning rush hour, and no one would stop. As Major Butler ministered to the man, other drivers screamed at him, honked their horns, and made obscene gestures, upset that their morning commute was being delayed and interrupted. The Major tried desperately to get someone to call for an ambulance, but the drivers that were not hostile were indifferent. Finally, a young Air Force computer specialist stopped and assisted him till the ambulance arrived. Now, I tell you that story because I am quite sure many conscientious people, many, many conscientious Christians passed that accident. Many who knew they should have stopped. Many who were convicted to stop, but didn't. So desiring to justify themselves, they likely thought, I don't have time. I'll be late for work. My clothes will get dirtier. Someone else will surely stop. Someone not as busy as I am. It's not my problem. I'll tell you a true story that happened in 2016 as I was leaving the airport after doing two services to come to this church to preach this passage. And God's going to do this, and he may do this to you this week. Because I can tell you as a preacher that oftentimes we're convicted in very short order of what we preach. But I was racing from the airport to get here, and I got off on 377, got off at Basswood up here, turned left right there, and as soon as I made the turn and hit the railroad tracks, I looked to my right, and coming up the sideway, sidewalk on a July day just as hot as this was an extremely heavy guy in a wheelchair pushing himself up, maybe what was a 3% grade. And I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> Here we go. I get it, Dad. I'm thinking, I'm going to be late because I'm wired like that. 
I'm a lifetime aviation professional. I have been in aviation all my life, and we don't believe in being late, because if you're not early, you're late. And I'm thinking, this is going to delay me, but I'll come around and pull in this parking lot, and I come up behind this guy, and he's sweating profusely, and he's struggling. And I say, hey, where do you need to go, man? Push him, and he goes, i got to go right up here to the strip mall. So I push him up there, and as I look up ahead, I say, well, I see a liquor store there. <laughs> First thought wrong once again. I continue to push him. I say, where are you going? He goes, all the way to the end down here. There's a lady that works down here who helps me with my physical therapy. God may challenge you this week on this text right here today. The priest and the Levite who passed by the man in the parable were both religious men, my friends, very conscientious of their calling to serve God, at least on the professional level. But that's exactly where it stayed, professional. They were willing to be faithful and professionally perform their religious duties, but weren't willing to apply their spiritual understanding of their callings in the world. The priest and the Levite surely passed by justifying themselves, probably saying things, well, this person might defile me because they had belief in Judaism like that. Or surely someone will come by shortly and take care of this poor soul. Or this isn't my calling. I've got to study and get ready for my sermon in the temple today. Their attitude is basically, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Of course, clergy aren't the only people guilty of that attitude, are we? It's an ever-increasing attitude in our complex, it's all about me culture. If you're anywhere near my age, you're part of the all about me culture. Because all we've ever heard our lives is, you know what, have it your way. It's all about you. We've been ingrained like that in my generation. In our complex culture, where so many need, real needs exist out there today. As Christians, how can any of us honestly say that it's not my problem? That it's not about me? Aren't we all connected to one another as God's children? If so, then, all these problems are our problems. So the first attitude that we see here today is what's in it for me. The second attitude is it's not my problem. And then we encounter the Good Samaritan. We always ask, where are all these Good Samaritans? They're in the mirror. They're you. They're you and I. And the Good Samaritan's attitude is, what can I do to help? Very simply, what can I do to help? Now we could spend days dissecting all the spiritual truths in this very convicting parable. For example, oftentimes it's pointed out that one could presume the victim in need could have been a Jew, and we know that the Jews and Samaritans deeply despised one another. And that could be a significant point. But what's more significant, my friends, is this is a parable where Jesus is teaching us about the importance of being compassionate people, compassionate followers of Christ. Because the good Samaritan never did stop and think about any excuses. He went right into action. This good Samaritan was programmed to respond with compassion when he encountered a stranger, no matter who it may have been. The good Samaritan doesn't rationalize the situation to justify himself. The good Samaritan acts with compassion and does what's needed out of love. And thank God there are still people like that in our world today. And they're in this room. But when we encounter those opportunities, we often don't think like that first, do we? 
One such person that thought like that was a guy by the name of Bill McGee. Dr. Bill McGee was a plastic surgeon from Norfolk, Virginia. In the early 80s, Dr. McGee traveled to the Philippines to operate on some children with cleft lip, a terrible deformity which can make it very difficult to both speak and eat, not even to mention the social hardship that exists with this deformation. It's terrible. That first trip inspired Dr. McGee to found an organization that he named Operation Smile. Operation Smile sends volunteer doctors all over the world to perform reconstructive facial surgery for suffering children. It wasn't a strategic plan for Dr. McGee. It wasn't at all. It was simply a matter of compassion for children in need. And he didn't have to do that. He could have justified himself and said, well, what's in this for me? I can stay right here in Norfolk, open a private practice, and do extremely well for myself. I don't have to go halfway around the world to treat indignant children. After all, they're not my problem. But Dr. McGee didn't say that. And I also doubt that Dr. McGee thought his kindness would get him into heaven. No, Dr. McGee simply saw a need, and he compassionately applied what his gifting was to meet it. That's simple. Friends, that person that... Um, that person that we might walk by might be the very person that we depend on one day. We never know that. But that's how God's economy works, and that's the importance of learning this lesson and being reminded of it. This well-known parable reveals three common but very different attitudes. The question before us today is, which attitude best defines your attitude? The attitude of what's in it for me the attitude of it's not my problem? Or the attitude of the Good Samaritan who said, what can I do to help? Now you might be thinking right now, well, I'd really like to be more like that Good Samaritan. I get tired of making excuses, tired of justifying my actions or inactions, but I'm not sure I can change. I've been this way too long. I think for me to change... I'd have to be born all over again. Friends, rebirth. Rebirth is possible today with Jesus and through Jesus. Jesus alone, my friends, can change our hearts and alter our attitudes. He alone. And He calls us as followers to make that step in that direction because it's not our natural behavior, is it? Seeing the violence that occurs in this world every day clearly reveals the fact that our world needs an attitude adjustment as never before. So let's ask God today to give us a new heart. Let's ask Him to change our attitude so the next time we see someone in need, our first response will be the Good Samaritan's response. And that is, what can I do to help? We need to be reminded, my friends, that Jesus told us, all will, will know that you are my disciples. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is all about loving others. That's all this text is about today. So let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And let us think, Lord, help us all. Lord, help us all to be a little more like Jesus 
and a little light less like us. All right? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.